What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. Last week, I believe that we did a nutrition-only Q&A, so it only seems fair that we do a training-only Q&A this week. So that is what we are going to get into shortly, but before we do, I have just a couple things for you guys. On the last episode that came out on Tuesday, you heard me mention that I am bringing on a coach to work inside of the Lost Lifting brand. So any of you coaches that are out there, if you didn't listen to that last podcast, you have experience, you've worked with clients in the past, I am going to be bringing on one coach in the next month or so. And so I'm just putting fillers out there. If you're somebody that has experience, you've coached in the past, it's something maybe you're currently doing, you're looking to become a part of a team um, and work in that kind of an environment, helping clients reach their goals with their nutrition and their training, reach out to me. My email is chaz at lostandlifting.com. Just reach out with interested in coaching in the subject line and shoot me a message and we can get a time to chat and have a conversation to see if you would potentially be a good fit to work with me as an assistant coach underneath of the Lost Lifting brand. So besides that, I had another announcement, but now it's basing in my brain and I can't think of what it is. So instead of spewing off on something random, let's just hop into today's training Q&A. Question number one. Should I always be doing my compound lifts first? I usually start with isolation for glute activation on leg day. This is a really good question. I think there's a a few different ways that you can go about it, honestly. And I know that different trainers and people that create programs have different philosophies to this. And I don't think that one's necessarily wrong and one is necessarily right. It's more of what you like best Um, from the standpoint of doing some primers or activation drills before actually going into doing that first compound movement of the day. Now you can absolutely just go into the first compound and as long as you are acclimating up to your first set of the day, I think you're just fine. And when I say acclimating up, all that I mean is let's say that you're going to do a squat for 225 pounds to warm up for that squat. And what I see a lot of people do wrong is they'll go in, maybe they'll hit 135 pounds for sets of eight, and then right from there, they'll go straight into that 225 pounds. You're not gonna be very warm going into that movement if you're not acclimating first. Just one set isn't gonna get you that warm. So what I would suggest is doing the workout, the exercise, the main compound with just the bar first. So maybe, let's say you're gonna hit 225 for reps of six, three sets of six. What I'd recommend when you first go in, do the bar for just a set of, let's say, eight to 10, then maybe throw on 135 pounds, do that for six to eight, then maybe throw on 175 pounds, do that for sets of four to five, then maybe throw on 200 to 205 pounds and do that for a set of one to two, and now you've warmed up your body properly to be able to take on that 225 pounds, where a lot of people will just go in and throw on their working weight and just start doing their working sets. It's gonna be important to acclimate up to that top set just to make sure that you are fully warm. But when it comes to doing activation exercises before that compound exercise, I don't think that that's a bad thing. But the one thing that I would say here is you're not going to want to use as high of an intensity on those 
activation exercises as you're going to on that main compound that you're going to do first and foremost. There is a pre-exhaustion method to where you could take some of those sets to failure, the activation, but it's not something that I necessarily like to do because I feel like if you are exhausted going into a big compound like that, you're going to set yourself up for injury. You're going to have a better chance at breaking down your form unless you're a very advanced lifter. So if you're going to do activation exercises beforehand to pump a little bit of blood into whatever body part that you're trying to pump blood into before getting into that main compound, I would do them at a low intensity of somewhere probably around an RPE of a four to five, meaning your RPE, all that that stands for is rate of perceived exertion. So that's really just a scale of one to 10. If you hit an RPE 10, that means you had zero reps left in the tank on your last rep. If you had an RPE nine, you had one rep left in the tank, RPE eight, you had two reps left in the tank, RPE seven, three reps and so forth. So what I'm saying, is only be hitting around like an RPE four or five. I mean, you're not using that high of an intensity. You're just focused on form, squeezing the right muscles that you're trying to activate. In this case, if it's your glutes um, and leaving five, even six reps left in the tank, just to make sure that you're not exhausting that muscle group before going into the big compound for the day. Because what's going to happen when you go into that big compound, if you've already exhausted the muscle group that you want to work is that it's going to hurt your form in some ways to where you're gonna end up using stabilizers and secondary muscle groups more because that big muscle group is already exhausted. So if you're using it just to activate the correct muscles that you want to, to make sure that you're filling them correctly before you go into that big compound, nothing wrong with that. But again, I wouldn't be doing pre-exhaustion methods just because if you're super advanced, I think that that's fine. If you're not, if you're a beginner, if you're an intermediate, I wouldn't be using a lot of pre-exhaustion methods up front. I'd be focusing on putting as much effort into that main exercise of the day. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't do any activation drills. I think that they can be very useful. I think it can get your body firing and get you feeling the correct muscles before hopping into that main compound. Just understand you don't want to be doing it at too high of an intensity just because it's going to cause a little bit of a higher risk of injury. You're not going to be able to use as much weight. It's just not a good idea for a beginner to intermediate in my experience, in my opinion. Question number two, what's your take on 20 minutes cardio first and then lifting weights? This is the classic question, right? Should I be doing my weight training first or should I be doing my cardio first? And this is going to be dependent upon what your goal is. Is your goal to get a better cardiovascular system? Is that the main thing you're focused on or is your goal to build more strength is it to retain lean muscle tissue as you're in a caloric deficit um, so that you're just losing body fat? Is it to be building muscle? What is that first and foremost goal? And whatever it is, you want to be attacking that sort of training when you're the freshest. Meaning, if your goal is anything to do with building muscle, retaining muscle, building strength, you want to be as fresh as possible for that particular part of your workout. Now, with that said, could you do 20 minutes of cardio and be ready to lift? Absolutely. If that's a very low intensity of cardio, if you're not getting drained or fatigued from the cardio, it's just a simple warm up, then I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But if you're doing like hit intervals, or if you're sprinting, or if you're jogging for 20 minutes and you get off of the treadmill and you're overly tired going into your strength training, and you have body composition goals, I don't think that that's the most productive way to go about it. I'd rather see you hop on an elliptical, a treadmill, 
um, a spin bike, something like that for five to 10 minutes, just at a slow, sustainable pace to slowly up your body temperature and then go into your lifting with just a very slight sweat to get your, make sure you're warm, but you're not overly fatigued by any means. I think that's the best way to go about it. But with that said, at the end of the day, if you're just somebody that's trying to lose a little bit of body fat, you're not taking things too seriously, doing your cardio beforehand isn't really going to mess things up that much. Now, is it the most productive or the most efficient way to go about things? I would say that it's not if your goal has something to do with body composition, meaning dropping body fat, building lean muscle, retaining lean muscle, just because you don't want to be fatigued going into your actual training session. I'd much rather see you do five to 10 minutes of a very slow, sustainable pace of type of cardio warm up before your workout. And then after, if you want to do anything more high intensity, that's going to exhaust you more. I would do that after your training session. But again, is it the biggest deal in the world? No, but if you want to be the most efficient and get the best results from your efforts as possible, I would look at attacking the training modality. That's going to help you get to your goal, if that's body composition, that's most likely going to be training with weights first and then afterwards, then burning more calories through cardio or whatever modality that is. But it's important to understand that all that cardio is doing for us is just simply burning calories and it's healthy for us. It's healthy for our hearts. It might help us live for a longer period of time. It's going to give us a better quality of life overall. That's very important, obviously, but it's not going to help us actually change our bodies all that much. And you can absolutely do the cardio after the weight training and it's not going to negatively impact that nearly as much. So that's just something I would keep in mind. This is kind of splitting hairs. Is it the biggest deal in the world? No, not really. You could do 20 minutes before and still get great results. But if you want to get as efficient as possible with your time, if you want to maximize your results, I'd look at putting your cardio afterwards and doing your strength training first just to make sure you're as fresh as possible for the training that's actually going to create body composition changes and then doing the cardio afterwards just because it's going to maximize your energy levels for that training, which is potentially going to help you be able to lift a little bit more weight, progress a little bit faster, things like that. Question number three, I've been stuck on four sets of seven pull-ups for a few months. How do I break that plateau? I like this question because a lot of people end up plateauing in strength and aren't sure where to go from there to continue making progress. And a lot of the times we want progress to be linear, right? We want to just always be able to add weight to whatever it is that we're doing, always be able to add reps continuously. And when we can't, we deem ourselves in a plateau and we don't really know where to go from there. But a good way to continue making progress is to start periodizing your progression. When you get to a point where you can't keep adding reps, you can't keep adding weight, now it's going to come down to periodizing things a little bit more to where you're looking to progress over blocks of time rather than progressing from week to week, especially in big compound movements like something like a pull-up or a bench press or a squat or something of that nature. So if you're stuck at four sets of seven reps on pull-ups and you can't do any more, what I would look at doing is first and foremost, making sure that you're fresh, starting a block fresh. So maybe you need to go through a deload if you've been plateauing and hitting your head against the wall for the last little while. Go through a deload, drop your volume down for a few days, practice on the form of a pull-up, maybe do it for like four sets of three or something like that. Keep your volume down and then start a fresh block to where you do four sets of seven in week one on the pull-up. And then in week two, you do four sets of six but maybe you add five to 10 pounds to it. So you're making that exercise harder, but you're doing it for less reps. 
Then in the next week, week three, you do four sets of five, but you add another five to 10 pounds. So now you're using somewhere between 10 to 20 pounds and doing sets of five. Then in week four, you do four sets of four and add another five to 10 pounds. So you're doing sets of four, four reps, but you're using somewhere between 20 to 30 pounds. So you're continuing to add intensity, meaning you're adding weight while decreasing volume, meaning you're doing less reps. And then once you get through a four-week period like this to where you've added weight, drop reps over time, this is building up your strength. You're getting stronger. So as you maybe take a deload in week five, wash away any of that fatigue, maybe just do body weight for four sets of three, four sets of four, take away about anywhere from 20 to 30% of your total volume, then come back to that exercise in week six and start over at body weight and try to go for four sets of eight. And I'll bet after building up your intensity, getting stronger at that workout, adding at that exercise, adding weight to it over time, when you come back to do body weight at that point, you're gonna be able to get probably four sets of eight from that exercise. And then you'll go through that same process. Then you'll do four sets of seven, add five to 10 pounds, four sets of six in the next week, in the third week, add five to 10 pounds, four sets of five in the next week, add five to 10 pounds, and you're progressing from block to block. You're using a little bit more weight or doing a little bit more reps from block to block instead of from week to week. And that would be more of a periodization approach to your progressive overload. But it's important to understand you're not always going to be able to just continually add weight or add reps. Over time, as you get more advanced, your progressions are gonna be a little bit slower. You're gonna wanna start looking at progressing your workouts from block to block rather than week to week because it just simply isn't humanly possible for us to continuously keep adding reps or keep adding weight at a fast pace like that on a week-to-week basis or else all of us would be lifting thousands of pounds the later that we get into our lifting careers and that's just simply not the case. So periodizing things out like this, planning out your progression models to where maybe you're adding weight, you're dropping reps, over time for a four to six week block and then you're starting over, but you're starting over with adding maybe a little bit more reps or you're starting over with adding a little bit more weight. So you're progressing that over four week periods rather than over weekly periods. And this becomes more and more important the more and more advanced that you get. As a beginner, you can typically just add weight to your exercises and get away with that for a good amount of time. As a beginner to intermediate, it comes down to you start having to add reps, then you get to the top of the rep range, then you can add a little bit of weight, and then you start over, so you're either adding reps or you're either adding weight, just depending on where you're at in that exercise. And then the more advanced that you get like this and you max out your linear type of progression that your body is capable of, it comes down to taking a little bit more of a periodized, slower approach to where you are progressing from block to block rather than always adding reps or always adding weight on a weekly basis. Question number four. If you're an advanced lifter, can you gain muscle while in a calorie deficit? There's always a chance that you can, absolutely. But the more advanced that you get when going into a calorie deficit, the more the goal becomes just making sure that you're preserving as much lean muscle tissue as possible. As a beginner to intermediate, if you're newer, if you're not putting in the correct principles to your training, you're not progressively overloading, you're not periodizing that correctly, and you go into a deficit and you start doing those things correctly where you're creating progressive overload and you are periodizing things correctly, you're taking care of fatigue management, all of those types of things, 
you can definitely build muscle while in a calorie deficit. But as you get more advanced, meaning that you've been doing these principles consistently for a really long amount of time, it's going to be extremely hard for your body to continuously respond to building muscle while not providing it enough energy to be able to do so. So well, I'd say you'd be in a much better position to go into a slight surplus build as much muscle as possible, and then come into a deficit when you're ready to and just focus on preserving that lean muscle tissue and you're gonna get a whole lot further, a whole lot faster. Can you build muscle at a maintenance level as an advanced lifter? There's definitely some potential there, but again, it's gonna be really, really slow. In my opinion, I always think that it's best if you are advanced. Now, if you're a beginner or intermediate, I think you can take advantage of being at maintenance to recomp or being in a slight deficit to recomp, but the more and more advanced that you get, I think that recomping becomes less and less of a viable option just because it's going to be so slow or else you're not going to be making the progress that you want to just because your body has adapted so well. And if you're advanced, you've gone through all these major adaptions already. You've kind of ran out of room to create that recomp if you've been doing everything consistently and sticking to the principles. And again, if you're advanced, I, I deem advanced being doing all of the principles, meaning you have been dieting correctly for a long period of time, years on top of years, two to three years at least. You have been implementing progressive overload for years on top of years, two to three years at least. Again, you are doing these main things. You have been managing your fatigue. You have been periodizing your progression systems. You've been doing all these things correctly, it's going to get harder and harder in a deficit to be able to continue making progress in terms of building muscle. So I'd much rather see you go into a slight surplus, build muscle, periodize your nutrition over the long haul, have your deficit phase planned out, have your maintenance phase planned out, have your surplus phases planned out, and you're going to end up seeing progress a whole lot faster, meaning you're going to stay motivated for longer periods of time. You're ultimately going to get end up getting to where you want to be in a lot faster pace, and you're going to actually be able to see the progress that's happening. Because at the end of the day, progress is slow regardless. If we're going to slow things down by being an advanced trainee and trying to build deficit or build muscle while being in a deficit, you're asking for that to go at even slower than a snail's pace and it's going to be super hard to do so. And it's just not going to be very, it's not a very viable option. It's not the best use of your time in my opinion. So I would always suggest going into a slight deficit, the more, or go, excuse me, going into a slight surplus, the more advanced that you get when the main focus is building muscle. And then when you get to a point where you've made some progress, you've built some muscle, then going into a slight deficit afterwards to shed any of that body fat that you may have accumulated during that surplus to shed the body fat, to show off the added lean tissue that you've created through that slight deficit. And you're going to get there a whole lot faster and it's going to be much more enjoyable. So I hope that this episode brought you guys some useful tips. If you have more questions, my email is always linked down below to where you can leave questions for the Q and A's. You can always shoot me a message on Instagram, DM me there asking questions. And if they're viable questions that I feel will help the majority of people who listen to the podcast, I'll make sure to bring those onto the episode. If you did find value here, I'd be super appreciative if you could take a screenshot and put it on your IG story just to show others that you're finding value as well. And then I'll go ahead and repost it and send you a message personally thanking you for doing so. And I'd be even more grateful if you could give the podcast a review. Go down below, leave it a star rating as well as a written review if you have a little bit of time, just because that's the one way that the podcast will be able to grow through the Apple ranks. So again, I appreciate you guys. Hopefully you have an amazing day and I'll talk with you soon.